Hello and welcome to the Crop It Like It's Hot podcast brought to you by The Crop Tech Show, an arable farming magazine and hosted by me, Alice Dyer. As always, you can get one CPD point for tuning into this podcast. All you have to do is email the name of the podcast plus your basis account number to cpd at basis-reg.co.uk. Crop Tech is back. After two years away, we're looking forward to welcoming you back. And we can't wait. Registration for your free ticket is now open. Join us and over 150 exhibitors on Wednesday the 24th and Thursday the 25th of November at the East of England showground in Peterborough, where you'll find everything you need to make your arable business more efficient, productive and profitable. This episode of Crop It Like It's Hot, we've teamed up with UK Research and Innovation, UKRI, to find out how ag tech is set to transform the way we farm. UKRI brings together the seven research councils, Research England and Innovate UK, and collectively they invest some £7 billion into research and innovation. Now that covers everything from robotics and artificial intelligence, all the way to healthcare and vaccine development. Of course, today we're going to be talking about AgTech, which falls under their Transforming Food Production Challenge project. Later on, we'll be hearing about exciting developments that are already being used in the field. But first, Dave Ross, CEO of one of the four UK agri-tech centres, the Agri-EpiCentre, starts by telling us why we need more tech to mitigate the challenges in our food production systems. I think innovation is the key to solving the problems of the day. And innovation can take many forms. It can either be incremental or even revolutionary uh, in terms of changes in systems. And in my view, UK farming is under a huge number of challenges at the minute, um, multidimensional challenges, actually. And these include changes to support mechanisms, um, the pressures of uh, uh, providing governments with assurance on direction of travel to net zero, the preservation of biodiversity and land capital is is, is an important consideration. And the, the, the kind of more market economic pressures with the advent of new international trading agreements, all of these pressures require innovative solutions in order to create sustainable and resilient farming in the UK. And there's so much potential as well, isn't there, that we've probably been talking about for years with things like you know robotics and precision technology and things like that in agriculture but do you think that farming or the agricultural industry is slower innovating compared to you know say other industries in the world i think if you look at the um the the farming industry um there is uh, one of the issues i suppose in terms of adopting innovations is um, farmers and those that are primary producers in any shape, form or fashion need to be convinced that an agri-technology is right for their circumstances, their businesses, and offers up effectively a viable and credible investment opportunity for them to develop and create more resilient businesses. And I think one of the things that's actually been a, a not a blocker to that as such, but which has slowed the adoption 
has been the ability of farmers to see and witness and understand the demonstration of the benefits of agri-technology. Uh, that's been one of the thing, one of the areas where farmers tend to use the, um, uh, in my view, the literature that they they read, um, the communication through other farmers and through other parts of the um, communication ecosystem, the knowledge exchange ecosystem, to get their best um, knowledge and and interest in new new ideas and new tech. I think getting a demonstration capacity that's relevant to their business is definitely something that would help in the adoption. Yeah, and is there is there anywhere that farmers can go for that independent advice? Uh, well, we within Agri Epicenter Limited, we're trying to uh, pioneer a, a demonstration, um, what we call satellite farms across the UK, that is effectively a neutral space where we take early adopter farmers um, who are enthused about um, all of the new technologies coming in and are willing to to look and understand and evaluate those new technologies critically from a commercial perspective, uh, use those as effectively a test bed for any new technologies that come in that may be relevant to that particular farm business in that geographical location. And I think that type of um, demonstration capacity, getting a wider knowledge exchange network tied in with that demonstration capacity, I think could bear fruit uh, for farmers to more effectively make decisions about from, about their businesses and whether and if a technology solution is relevant to their business to make it more profitable and sustainable. Yeah. And do you think there needs to be a stronger partnership maybe between farmers and researchers or developers to to kind of guide them through whether a certain piece of technology might benefit them or might not? The simple answer yes to that. Um, the, the, the I'm grateful that some of the support structures in a post-CAP world um, um, orchestrated through DEFRA are recognising this now and DEFRA, to their credit, are putting in place um, support mechanisms that actually focus on this particular partnership arrangement that needs to happen to get farmers and researchers, developers involved to encourage uptake and develop solutions. Um, farmers are time precious and yeah. don't have the, the ener- not the energy, they have the energy, but they don't have the time to take forward something without the ecosystem of delivery, development and maintenance of a new, new idea or technology forward. And this partnership, co-funding partnership that DEFRA is putting in place over the next few years, I hope will unlock that co-development opportunity between farmers and the um, innovation community around and about them. And arable farmers in particular now are working in a very global market. Would you say that it's quite a global thing for farmers to be in that situation where they don't necessarily have the time or they're unsure about kind of taking on new technology or would you say there are countries in the world where farmers are really kind of getting on board with all these new developments? I I think there are differences between different territories. Uh, We see different models being um, run in different countries. Some farmers who have scale of business and have the opportunity and the resource to invest in 
advanced technology take that opportunity and that scale. So you can see in the large scale agribusinesses, uh, there's an opportunity to uh, put technology support mechanisms in to develop productivity or sustainability or resilience, etc., uh, into their businesses. I think um, other countries have effectively a similar adoption issue. Some countries um, and some farmers have, let's say, more cooperative mindsets, shall we say. And we see, for example, in Holland, there's a very much a cooperative model mm. uh, to solving problems, which has helped them in some ways to get to very productive agriculture. That in itself, over the past number of years, has, you know, borne out some environmental issues associated with that production, but it has created those changes in productivity uh, that we see. Uh, we are historically in the UK slightly behind in our productivity, uh, what we call total factor productivity, comparison with other similar countries. So we do have a little bit of catching up to do to get to the rates of our competitors. And in the long term, say in 10 years time or 20 years time, where do you see the role of agritech in food production? And what do you think a forward thinking arable farm might look like in terms of the technology that it's using? That's a big question. Uh, I would foresee um, in some ways, and even in broad acre production and arable production, I would see some advent of uh, autonomous solutions. Uh, these might be in the form of uh, crop scouting or even carrying out uh, arable operations autonomously. I can see foresee that. And one of the advantages of that is that we have um, extremely, you know, we are, our trend is to get to ever bigger and ever larger um, tractors and machinery uh, to make the cost of that product, that, that process more cost effective in any business. And that's entirely geared around the cost of the labor unit associated with it. So if we remove the labor unit, we can then look at other mechanisms to, it, 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 to maintain that same output, but do it in another way. And that can lead to potentially smaller um, systems, less, uh, let's say, even as simple as compaction in agriculture and um, have a, a, a knock-on effect on yield. I think there's lots in the gene editing space that might be uh, beneficial to farmers and broadacre and arable farmers that could be unlocked in the next 10 to 20 years. And I see other, other areas such as um, developments uh, in what I call circular economy systems where you tie in uh, and a regenerative element to agriculture, tying in arable with other systems and allowing your nutrient flow to flow into the arable sector where the cost of, let's say, artificial fertiliser, as we've seen recently, uh, starts to increase due to the higher energy costs. Um, and we, we start to see more, uh, shall we say, resource, natural resource maximisation from the land capital that's uh, in the arable farm. So not quite sat in bed driving a combine from an app on our phones then? Um, I think that's that's all possible. 
everything is possible. Uh, I think farmers will never want to be in that position. They'll always want to, to touch, see and smell the what, what's going on. Yeah. Um, I think they're, they're um, just on that very issue. There may be the advent of um, awareness and detailed crop scouting systems that may indeed produce that. It may automatically gather that information from an agronomic perspective and inform on the management of the crop. That certainly could be the case. I do not foresee um, armchair farming being a reality, although uh, it's it's great for cartoon cartoonists. <laughs> I, I imagine that a lot of the the farmers or people who go into the farming business that's not why they, they go into the farming business exactly anything which makes life easier for them and is labor saving i'm sure will find uh, a, a foothold but i cannot foresee um you know i cannot foresee a, a gaming culture with farming in the next 10 to 20 years no no okay that's great thanks dave And now for our next guest of today, who's here to tell us about funding available from UKRI. Tom Jenkins has been working on the Transforming Food Production Challenge project. Tom, would you mind just starting by telling us more about what the Transforming Food Production Challenge is? So the Transforming Food Production Challenge is being delivered by UKRI. And this represents a 90 million investment, which supports mainly business-led innovation to develop and test new ways of producing food, which ultimately are going to enhance the efficiency, resilience and sustainability of agriculture, helping to facilitate the transition to net zero emissions by 2040. Within this, the programme itself is mainly supporting collaborative projects. So that brings together the world leading capabilities from the science base with companies, end users, retailers and farmers. And we're looking to address a range of challenges that affect more traditional agriculture, such as crop and livestock disease or labour availability, right the way through to novel food production systems, such as controlled environment agriculture, so vertical farming, which could take place in non-traditional environments, or alternative protein production, such as insect farming. And within this, we've supported a range of different projects, so these go for feasibility studies, which can test the viability of a new technology or approach, right the way through to later stage demonstration projects, which take proven technologies with end users in a real real life setting to, to try and demonstrate whether they're going to work technically and economically on farm. So this is really to de-risk and drive the larger uptake and deployment and adoption of technologies. The programme itself, what we do is we provide grant funding to project partners. So this is the universities, the SMEs, the large companies and end users. And these end users can and do include growers and farmers in our projects to de-risk their involvement in that innovation process through our financial support. So the first funding from DEFRA's Farming Innovation Programme was launched in October. So how is the Transforming Food Production Challenge involved in the delivery of that programme? So we've been working with DEFRA for some time now. and Before that uh, Farming Innovation Programme, we worked with them to develop a farming innovation pathways competition earlier this year. So that competition acts as a 14.5 million investment to lead into that bigger farming innovation program opportunity. But you're right, on October 20th, we launched the farming innovation program with DEFRA. And this represents a longer term funding program to support farmers and growers who can then work with others in the business and science based community to engage in innovation to increase productivity resilience and sustainability in agriculture. And that programme itself has got three main funds. They include the industry-led R&D partnerships fund, 
There's also a Farming Futures R&D fund and another fund which is supporting projects to accelerate adoption. Within the industry-led R&D partnership funds, we've got three different types of projects that we're supporting. These include research starter projects. So these are up to 12 months in duration and between about 28 and 56,000, which are specifically focused around farmer-led projects to explore an idea in its early stages and to develop a team around that to, live, to deliver the project. That builds into feasibility projects, which are slightly longer duration. They're up to 24 months and anywhere between 200 and 500,000 for industry-led projects to test whether an idea works in practice and to identify whether and how you should take those outputs forward. And then we've got even more impactful opportunities around small R&D projects. These are up to 36 months in duration, and they're quite substantial in terms of the funding. They're between one and three million, again, for industry-led projects to take um, a new product or service that will su substantially improve the overall productivity, sustainability and resilience of the sector. So within that, we've got those three different opportunities, all of which um, can support farmers and growers, and further competitions will be launched later in 2022. Okay, and that's that's an awful lot of money. Um, so what is the drive behind all this funding? We're obviously seeing a lot of challenges around, you know, labour at the moment and environment is obviously very much at the forefront too. Um, so what do you think the government's key motivation behind all this funding is? Well, I guess the drivers, they're kind of multifaceted in a way. So like you said, there's a lot of change affecting the sector at the moment. So we've got the new, the new relationship with the UK outside of Europe. We've got... Um, challenges around climate change and how that's affecting productivity and how you can get resilience within the sector itself. I think we've also got um, opportunities to look at uh, the agricultural transition plan and this farming innovation programme was one of the recommendations coming out of that to really look at how funding can support the farming sector to increase that resilience, support growth and think about how we can produce food in ways that are resilient, efficient and sustainable. And what does this funding actually mean in practice for farmers, you know, on the ground, in the field? So what it means, particularly the research starter competition, I mean, we've designed that specifically with farmers in mind. So that allows farmers to set that research agenda around projects that are focusing on an on on identified challenge that they're facing on farm. And the funding should help them to address that and build a team around them to develop solutions to the challenge. I think it's worth mentioning that with other projects that we've supported they do include growers so that's anything from um, people like asparagus growers down in, in Herefordshire through to soft fruit growers in Kent and Scotland we've also seen dairy farms involved in projects in Yorkshire and south west of England within the competitions that we've recently launched there were some briefings which are available on the, the website if people are interested within those and I'd really encourage people to listen to those particularly the research starter competition because we have growers speaking about their experiences from previous funding but also how they see the opportunities through the current research starter competition and if people look at those I think it will help to give a flavour about whether they're um, right for them but other than that they can engage in the larger projects as it's coming together and we work quite, quite closely with the knowledge transfer network that can help to identify partners as well. Okay and how quickly will the industry start to see the benefits um, from this funding? I think within the, the current farming innovation pathways um, competition that's up and running, those projects probably won't be taking things towards market maybe for another two to three years. 
Um, but within this program itself, we've got a range of different interventions. So the Farming Innovation Program has got different funding streams, which will take different technology maturities, if you like, to the marketplace. So I think we are starting to see some quite exciting innovations come through. And if people saw the recent Country Farm Harvest special episode on October the 10th, that also had a number of the, the Transformed Food Production Programme projects. So things like the Hands Free Farm um, and also Vertical Farming, which was taken forward through uh, Vale Fresco. Those are taking innovations, in that case, vertical farming, but into more traditional polytunnel production systems, which is starting already to see things like a sevenfold increase in yields per square metre compared to traditional agriculture. So I think we are starting to see those technologies rolled out and used and deployed within the sector. Yeah, and two to three years in the grand scheme of things isn't long at all, is it? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, the key thing is making sure that we're embedding what are the, you know, the contemporary problems and issues that are being addressed and getting the research capability and industry to focus on those and get solutions to them, which will hopefully bring them through to the marketplace more quickly. And finally, UKRI will be at the CropTech show this month. Um, So I'm assuming if anybody wanted to, you know, find out more about what we've been talking about or speak to a member of your team that they can come and see you there. Yeah, no, that's right. Absolutely. So we're attending CropTech this year. We've got an exhibition booth. So there'll be more information about both the Transforming Food Production Programme, but also the DEFRA Farming Innovation Programme as well. What we're looking to do within that exhibition is have some presentations from ourselves and the projects in between the main um, crop tech uh, sessions and slots, if you like. And within this, there will be people speaking about the on-farm problems that the projects are focusing on and addressing. Um, And we're also hopefully going to be on the basis points trail. So if you're looking to get CPD points as part of your visit to CropTech, then please drop by for more information and we should be able to um, support that, assuming that all goes through in time. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Tom. Thanks very much, Alice. The CropTech show will return with the seminar programme, sprayer demonstration area and knowledge hubs along with some exciting new twists and a brand new feature. We will also be introducing a farmer-led debate which will focus on regenerative agriculture asking, does it stack up on farm? A careers corner has also been added where you can get advice and tips on starting and developing your career in the arable industry. Join us this year on the 24th and 25th of November at the East of England showground in Peterborough and register for your free ticket today at www.croptechshow.com now to find out more about how agritech really is transforming food production in the field my next guest is v guru rajan from beehive innovations who have been a long-term beneficiary of funding from uk ri v great to have you on the podcast thank you for coming i just wanted to start our chat really by hearing a bit about what beehive is what you do um, and what kind of projects and solutions you and your team are working on? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, Beehive, we started this business in 2017. And the purpose was, and it still remains to till date, uh, is to bring technology to solve real-time problems in fresh produce. And within fresh produce, I'm speaking about root crops specifically. So... Our interest, my interest is, we have a we have an industry problem or a supply chain problem, and we look at 
amalgamation of technologies or cross-pollination of technologies, sometimes innovative, sometimes inventive too. So sometimes we are forced to invent because things don't exist and we'll create something to solve the problem too if that's what it requires. So that's what Beehive Innovation does. So we are an R&D, SME, uh, in fresh produce space. Um, kind of projects that we work on and we differentiate from a typical startup is that in a way, usually a startup will have one project or a one concept they are trying to work towards. What we have uh, at Beehive is uh, at any time we have a number of problems that we are solving and because we are not pushing technologies, we are pulling technologies to solve the problem, we have a number of technologies that we work together to, to bring that technology to solve the problem. I'll give you some examples if I can. Yeah. Um, so at one spectrum, we have a project that's recently been commercialized called um, Harvest Eye. This was commercialized uh, in 2019. It's a camera technology. Our client, Branston Limited, one of the largest fresh potato packers in the UK, had a specific problem that they wanted to solve. They wanted to understand the sizing of potato crops whilst it's being harvested before it goes into the cold stores. They can, therefore, they can solve their supply chain gaps in a better way. And we started looking at how to solve this. Uh, technology didn't exist to solve that problem then. We started looking at machine vision system and we use a camera technology now and we've developed in, in to start with we innovated but we ended up inventing a patented technology in the uk mm. to solve that particular problem and that product now is called harvest eye and harvest eye is currently available in the uk uh, for potato and onion uh, farmers to put in their harvesters through our distributor gruma uh, in the uk uh, and that's a successful concept to product, if you like. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, we have created a process to extract protein uh, that can be used in food industry as an ingredient because of the increasing demand in plant-based diet. Mm. And that protein extraction comes from outgrade potatoes that have the least value in a potato supply chain. So, okay. so, so camera technology in one end, the other end it's completely processed technology that we put together to extract protein. Therefore, we can take the lowest value denominator of a crop, uh, in this case potatoes, and we extract a very valuable, low volume, high value product that is well sought after in the plant-based, very demandful space. Yeah. Um, so th that's the kind of spectrum of projects that we work on. And these technologies that you are developing, they're only taking three to five years, really, to reach the market, which is not long at all. It isn't. And I'm really... Uh, one of the key challenges we face in, in, in the, the R&D space is the technology, the pace at which the technology is growing and advancing is fantastic. Yeah. We've we got to be really glued on to be making sure that we are with it um, because there's such a huge advancement in technology and science and engineering nowadays. Um, the pace at what you can do is very fast. Yeah. And I was speaking earlier with Dave about um, adoption of ag 
tech from farmers. Do you see that as a challenge for you as a business? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think at one at one level, the technology is progressing at a very high speed. At another level, the adaptation of technology is not in line with that pace of technology advancement. And it comes down to, are we pushing technology? Are we solving problems? Those are two different things. It's like, yeah. uh, I, I always say, oh, I've got a drone. Can I fly a drone for you to give you these pretty pictures, please? Or you can say, look, I've actually got a problem that needs solving. From a farmer's point of view, it doesn't matter whether you're flying drone or you're using satellite imagery or you're creating an innovative solution or an invented a brand new concept that didn't exist. They need solving a problem. So I think that's where we tend to start with is try to start with what is the understanding the real problem, speaking with the farmers and with the supply chain to ensure we understand the problem right. And then you make the farmers part of that solution or process of how you're going to solve the problem. So they are within either through an extended arm of our consortium partners or they are part of the partners as well. So they can then it is we're trying to then reduce the the friction that you have with I don't understand the technology, I don't these machine learning and artificial intelligence, I'm not sure how that's going to transfer into my pound and creating my bottom line better. Yeah. So I think that that's where we, it's all about. I think we speak a lot of people speak about features and technology. I think we need to change the language to how does that actually add value and what does that mean to the farmers in delivering the value. Yeah, definitely. That's the difference. So because the technology people are, uh, and sometimes including myself, we we speak about technology features, what it can do, how we can create value, but what we need to start and I think there are a lot of good people doing this as well, is actually less about features. Ask the question, so what? So so what to the growers? So what to the farmers? So what to the supply chain? Oh, it delivers this. And it will deliver this by creating value. But most importantly, this is how it's going to deliver the value to you. And this is where you're going to see the benefit. This is where you're going to see tangible benefit. This is where you're going to see intangible benefit. And I think that will break the barriers to some extent. The second big thing is the cost of technology as well. Could be a barrier, and sometimes it's a barrier. Um, And third thing I would also say is, because everybody wants to have their own robot, they want to have the semi-autonomous or autonomous vehicle that go up and down in the field. Yeah. But then it almost sometimes puts the farmers off because what you really want is you've got a tractor, you've got various implements that go into the tractor, why can't we create something that is an implement into the existing machine that already have you have in the farm that then reduces the barriers from a farmer's point of view on adaptation? Yes, it might be a new technology, but it's only part new because it's fitting to your tractor or to other things that you already have in the farm that you know how to do and yeah. drive and use. Um, I think those are some of the opportunities that we can work with the farmers to reduce the barriers. Yeah, no, I'd agree with all of that. And then in terms of pipeline projects, are, are there anything? is there anything that you're able to kind of tell us about that you're working on um, that might be an exciting development for our listeners? Yeah, so we've, uh, we've got a couple of projects that I, I can't speak about as much as I can't tell you how we are doing it. I can speak about what we are doing in that yeah. aspect. So we got a project where, um, so I mentioned to you about the harvest tie, so that's a technology that tells us at the time of harvest, what the crop is, 
as in size and the relative yield and how it is got in the field but it'll be uh, we started thinking like, would it be wouldn't it be fantastic if we can see the crop under the ground whilst it's growing therefore we can provide farmers with meaningful insights this, so that they can intervene in the right time to get the right target output so that we started with that's a very good idea but it's very crazy and how do you look under the ground and that's the birth of a project that we currently running called tuberscan um and uh, we are currently looking at potatoes as a starting point and that's a combination of above ground technology and below ground technologies and the purpose of that is to provide insights from the day that you reach the crop until you harvest but we provide insights to say look this is what's growing under the ground whether if you're looking for a, a relative yield or potential size or a bulk mass under the crop that's what we say look using technology we are now we able to at least at a feasible stage um feasibility stage we are able to look under the ground above the ground and provide some very complex machine learning language that then translates into very simple maps that shows to the grower you said or you thought you planted this many potatoes in the field mm. did you really plant that many potatoes actually with what we can look under the ground there are this many seed potatoes that's been planted therefore your yield calculation has to be adjusted to reflect that fast forward four weeks later oh there's an emergence coming and we can say where you planted did everything emerge over a period of time and we can then give you a relative yield positioning based on what's happening both looking above the ground but also under the ground and as the project progresses what we are hoping to deliver is to say look this part of the field is ready to burn down so that you in 3 to 4 weeks you can harvest these potatoes these sections of the field haven't either reached your targeted yield or targeted size so it's better off waiting for another week before you burn down on those and that's the kind of technology that we are trying to bring in to solve the problem of when is the right time to burn the potato crops so that i can get the best yield and the best size and uniformity with less variability of the crop and that's the problem we are solving today um that, that's one example and very recently we 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 had a fortunate position of winning a bid with UKRI which is um, there is a particular worm called wire worms and yeah. they uh, they are found in the soil but it's not very easily identifiable and it's too little too late when you found it and you can't use the crop and it, it yes you can use some chemicals if you find it very early but quite often these chemicals are blanket chemical spray with quite a heavy cost going into the crop and quite often if you don't spot it very early you are looking at a write off of the potato crop in wire worm uh, in the very recent years we are seeing more incidents of that in the uk because of warmer temperature these worms are starting to come a bit more closer up to the soil surface so we we just started this month a project that uses a specific technology even before you plant a potato field we will be able to run this technology um and and say has it got a wire worm in the field or not if so where is it therefore the farmers can actively engage in making a decision on to plant or not to plant and if you want to plant and go ahead which areas you need to concentrate for the right spraying method 
so that's that's again another example of uh, something that we are working in uh, started to work in this month uh, and that project's about another 18 months on proving the concept and these these forward insights they're really quite valuable and they obviously tie in with you know the way that farming is going where we need to focus more on sustainability and getting the most out of hectares that we grow so i'm um, i'm interested to know where beehive their their kind of vision is for the future of farming and you know how they see how they see their role tying into that that's a really brilliant question i think we are we're in a very interesting crossroads when it comes to certain crops i would say uh the reason i say that is we got extreme climatic conditions on us on 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 frequent occasions than what it used to at the same time we want the consumers are looking for carbon friendly products at the same time there are a number of withdrawals of chemicals that helped us and the farmers to produce better quality and higher yield products so these are not complementary targets to reach sometimes it, these can be conflictory yeah and that's where we see an opportunity because the opportunity is then where there is no precision agriculture in certain crops and where a technology is not playing a huge part our role as a beehive in our r&d company in agritech space is to say how do we bring in technologies from different industries sectors to solve these problems for agriculture because we need food <laughs> it's, it's not a debatable subject we need food we need farming to deliver better quality better throughput carbon friendly products that's still sustainable both from environment point of view but more importantly also sustainable from business point of view so i think that's where our role is we see ourselves bringing technology in to solve these problems either by helping growers and farmers using our tools that we create to let them know where there is a shortage of productivity within their field we call it variance so there's a huge variance within the crop and within the field and our aim is to highlight those variants and where it is coming from and once we do that then we come up with the tools to say how do you go about creating uniform crops i look at it very simply from a mathematical point of view if you want to make your average higher you need to re- you need to reduce your variation or standard deviation and that's what we are trying to highlight and that's where we see ourselves bringing technology highlighting which areas of the field is not performing and also bringing technologies to create new value to the supply chain like potato protein in the uk there is no potato protein factory in the uk that exists today but we are creating one and that's the kind of new value propositions that we want to bring into the market and within all of this what is the role of ukri and you know where does your relationship fit in with all of this from a beehive point of view ukri is our fantastic funding partners we uh, we like any other company have a concept a number of projects that we work on and we bid for the funding from ukri to solve those problems it's a great help to us to get these fundings because that allows us to work with the best people in creating the consortium to solve the problem because we can't solve all the problems ourselves we need a group of either other companies or universities to work with this uh, with us to solve the problem and that's what that's the kind of opportunity that the ukri funding allows us 
But most importantly, it also allows us to employ highly skilled young generation of people into the agri-food industry that is very difficult to get today. So um, it is very important for us to have the UKRI funding to solve high risk, but most importantly, valuable projects that if it's solved, will create big productivity gains in the UK. That was V. Guru Rajan from Beehive Innovations. Now on to robotics, and I don't know about you, but when I hear the term ag tech, I do think of robots doing it all. And one company who has developed robots for the fresh produce industry is Saga Robotics. I'm very pleased to have their head of plant sciences here, Dan Sargent. So Dan, shall we just start with you telling us a bit about Saga Robotics, so who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So um, we're a company that produces small autonomous agricultural robots and our main focus at the moment is the soft fruit and viticulture sectors. But what we're trying to do is is develop a platform which is called Torvald and utilise this platform to... to, um, to solve a range of uh, labour-related tasks on on farms. And this can be from uh, the harvesting of soft fruits such as strawberries all the way through to the protection of the crop um, without the use of chemical pesticides. So the platform itself is very versatile, has uh, four-wheel drive, um, independent steering on all the wheels, and as I say, operates completely autonomously, so it can be set off to run and as long as the tasks that it's um, been set to do are programmed, it can do those without human intervention. It's a very light platform. And um, effectively what we're trying to do is um, replace human labour for highly repetitive tasks on farms to help make growing of soft fruit and um, the production of wine more sustainable for the future. Okay. And is that technology already being used on farms now then? Absolutely, yeah. So the Torvald platform itself, the, the base unit, as it were, of all of our robots is fully functional and fully operational. And where we have the edge um, over some of our competitors in the space is that our autonomy is very robust, which means that the robots operate completely independently, as, as I've said. Now, um, in terms of what tools we have deployed on farms, currently our commercial operations involve the protection of the crop, um, primarily strawberries, but also a small amount of uh, grapevine uh, against a pathogen called powdery mildew. And what we're aiming to do and what we've demonstrated this season over about 15 hectares in the Kent countryside is um, we've, we've actually, using the robot, we've been able to replace all of the fungicidal sprays that would have been put on that crop, which is around about 35 applications across the season this year. Um, the, the crop we've been protecting has had zero chemical inputs to protect against this pathogen, which is a, a really sort of um, a really exciting thing for us and a really, uh, um, you know, for the, for the industry, a really positive move towards zero residues and increased sustainability. And I guess that would then lead to some quite substantial cost savings as well. Well, yeah, so what we do is um, we actually offer farming as a service. So we provide the robots and we provide the service. We roll out the robots, make sure they're working, make sure they're protecting the crop in the right places at the right time. And so we offer a kind of turnkey solution to the farmer. So we offer that at a relatively competitive rate with regards to chemical inputs. Um, And it may be a little bit cheaper than using chemicals because 
twice a week, every week throughout the season. So our cost structure is kind of known beforehand. Um, but what it means is the value added for the farmer is that he can go to his retail customers, supermarkets, and he can say, he and she can say, you know, look, these, these strawberries have been produced with very few chemical inputs, zero fungicidal input. And that's an enormous benefit for, you know, human health in terms of the consumption, but also the environmental health on, on the farms. And, you know, also um, less chemicals in the environment in general is, is a really good thing. Yeah, and I guess by offering it as a service, it doesn't require the farmer to have this big upfront investment either. Absolutely. So if you have, you know, if you if you have 50 hectares of strawberries, we can provide the robots for 50 hectares. If you have 150 hectares, we provide them. And if one breaks down, we're there to, to make sure that the operation continues. You don't have to wait for a call out, that sort of thing. We, we take care of the whole um, process from start to finish. And we've spoken a bit about um, uptake of ag tech being an issue um, with the other guests on the podcast. Um, so I'm interested to know whether, you know, people kind of assume the fresh produce industry is more willing to adopt ag tech maybe compared to arable farms. So why do you think that is? And it, and do you think that's true as well? I, I would say that that probably is true. Um, the, the soft fruit industry in general has gone through um, a revolution over the last 20 years, um, primarily based initially on, on the fact that we, we lost fungicides, chemical fumigants for, for the soil, which meant that growers had to move their crop out of the soil to continue to grow it sustainably and profitably. And what that meant was that kind of kick-started this very forward-thinking, innovative approach to farming. And and um, all the, the, the software growers that we work with and, and the industry in general is very adaptive to new technologies that can help reduce labour, that can help pesticide use and things that's obviously a big goal for all sectors um so i just wondered you know how you see your role in that future challenge and whether you have any pipeline products or developments um that you would hope to bring to market in future yeah so all of the growers that we've been working with so far i mean obviously with any new technology there's an initial skepticism and so what we've done is we've said to them look let's do a hectare let's do two hectares let's really demonstrate the efficacy on your farm and then you can decide from yourself comparing what you've done with your chemical inputs and what we've done with the uv and see which one you prefer at a similar price point point. and overwhelmingly what we've seen with our customers so far is they've been 
they've been amazed by the results. Um, as I said, we the, some of the growers that we're working with locally, um, some of the big soft fruit growers, they've, they would ordinarily have up to 35 chemical sprays to protect the crop and make sure that it doesn't get powdery mildew in a season. And they've been able to remove all of those chemical sprays from their crop completely. And this is obviously, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of the risk out because we're there every day doing the, um, we're there every week doing the service twice a week. They don't have to have people going out on tractors. They don't have to have their, their workers being exposed to potentially harmful chemicals. And obviously, uh, it's better for the environment, better for the natural biodiversity and insect populations on the plants because they're not, um, they're not, damaged with with the chemicals and also for you know for the end user the consumer and so what we'd like to do our, our plans over the next period going forward is to roll out this technology and, and have the adoption of the Torval platform for the UV but also other mundane tasks on the farm such as taking the runners off strawberry plants or taking the leaves off um, grapevine during the season and so as as the farmers and the growers get used to using the Torvald platform we'll be able to then bring to them other technologies such as as I said before automatic harvesting robotic harvesting of the soft fruit such as spraying for chemicals um, or spraying for foliar sprays so giving nutrients and things to the plants that sort of thing and and really we see the Torvald as a almost like a, a blank canvas, as you were, to which we can apply a range of tools. And, and working to develop those tools, we're really working with the farming and growing communities to really identify which tools will be of most value for them in terms of that labour saving and which ones we can deploy most effectively on a robotic platform. How does UKRI tie into all these new developments? Well, as a company, we've been really, really fortunate to have been supported throughout our growth and development over the last um, four or five years by UKRI um, funded projects. And along with our partners within the software industry, such as um, Berry Gardens Growers, and of course, academic partners such as the University of Lincoln, um, we've really been able to leverage the potential of these technologies and the, the potential of the robot we've developed and really apply it to real-world problems within the uh, growing community. I think without the UKRI support, we'd really have struggled to get that initial demonstration of the potential of this technology, um, both to the growing community and obviously to the um, capital investment um community we, we we would have we would have struggled to be able to demonstrate the the worth of the technology so i can't emphasize enough how important that ukri funding has been to establishing the business and as i say now we have a large grow community who really see the value and the benefit in what we're doing and really want to um, adopt the service not only for the uv but also as as things develop the automated harvesting spraying um, distribution of biological control measures and and other applications to their farm yeah and this support from government it i guess it obviously shows that ag tech is the future um and i've been asking everyone this question but what do you see farms looking like in you know say 10 years time when it comes to ag tech do you think you know we can ever solve this labor gap i believe i genuinely believe we can i mean we're we're moving towards a high paid high skilled 
um, population in this country, which necessarily means that there are going to be a lot of tasks, particularly in, in you know, the production of food, that will either require automation to allow, um, you know, to avoid very high paid um, wages for, for, for those lower skilled jobs, or to just, you know, to make the sustainability of the, of the space um, more certain. I think when you have a task that is the same thing over and over again, you can, you can easily uh, find an, an automated solution to that task. Because we've demonstrated and we've um, proven that we can operate these small robots autonomously, so completely without humans, in a very, very safe and very, very reliable way on farms, all we need now is for the uh, implementation of those tools to catch up. So the robots are there and they're ready. What we need now is to perfect and to identify the tasks that these robots will do. Um, as I say, we've already started on harvesting fruit and protecting the crop against powdery mildew. But there are other tasks such as you know, carrying fruit around from field to field, um, packing things in, in the, the cold stores, um, moving fruit around and QCing within the uh, pack houses, um, other things as well, such as crop forecasting, really precisely knowing how many fruit you're going to have, the weight of that fruit for the next week, so you can deal with customers in a more efficient way. All of these things, the research is showing great potential for all of them, and I really think within the next five to ten years, we can realise a huge number of these tasks. So I see the, the farms of the future being a hybrid. There's not, we're not going to replace humans. We're never going to replace humans in the food production um, space. But we're going to see a lot more of the um, tasks that humans probably would prefer not to do being taken by robots and upskilling that workforce to be able to look after the robots, but also to be able to do the more skilled and more technical jobs on the farms. Thank you, Dan. And if you wanted to find out more about any of the funding opportunities discussed on today's podcast, you can visit the website farminginnovation.ukri.org. And I'm afraid that is all we've got time for for today. But I am very excited to say that after being an online event last year due to COVID, the Crop Tech Show is back this month on the 24th and 25th of November at the East of England Showground in Peterborough. You can register online for free at croptechshow.com and I very much look forward to seeing you there.